Welcome to CMO Insights, the podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, president and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Today as our guest, we have Norman Guendagno, who is chief marketing officer of Mindcast. Norman, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. You know, there's a lot of talk about drugs in, in the world today, opioids and stuff, <laughs> but there's a different kind of drug, right? Which is uh, our hook on data as marketers and being data-driven marketers. Can you expand upon that concept and how do today's leaders strike more of a balance between the data and the analytics mm -hmm. that we know and love and creating brand and emotion with the hearts of our customers? Yeah, sure. And 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 I I made a comment, I don't know, some many months ago about how uh, performance marketing is a little bit like a drug and, and marketers get hooked on it. And it's now been following me around because uh, I, I want to be fair in the uh, in the concept that uh, there's there's a lot of great things that we can get from data. And there's a lot of great things we can by focusing on the data, by using things like performance marketing to drive business for sure. The challenge is, and, and this is where I think we want to dig into this together, Jeff, the challenge is it's not everything. And like all, all good, valuable practices, focusing too much on it causes you to lose sight of some of the things that are going on around you. And I think what I unfortunately have seen and, and I continue to see is marketers who become not just uh, consumed with with data-driven marketing, but often uh, ignore non-data signals that could actually be really important. Ignore some of the larger signals around the brand and or ignore making the investments necessary in things that can't always produce an immediate return of data. And you know the the old joke about you know how can you how can you tell if your brand is working? How can you tell if your advertising is working? Well, I know half of it's working. I just don't know which half. Yep. Right. But uh, like for your brand, how do you know if it's working? Well, you know what? You know it's working over time, right? And that time might be a year. It might be two years before you see that payoff. And that is just anathema to many data driven marketers today who want to look at a dashboard weekly, and if they don't see an uptick. It's like, oh, what's going on? Is it? It's just marketers, though, because we deal with the pressure of our sales brethren. We deal with the pressure of the CFO, the CEO, the board, who's constantly driving for results. So uh, the CMO has to walk a really tough uh, tightrope at times. Yeah, it, it's a great point in that everyone in every department is a little bit uh, consumed with data. And again, it's an important and good thing to focus on the data. But it's not everything, and that that's the key thing that I, I run into. And it's also, uh, and you bring up a good point, you know, there's finance and there's sales and there's operations and, and there's all sorts of teams, all of whom actually tend to look at data that's a little bit different. And oftentimes that creates communication gaps within the organization. And as CMO, I find I often have to both reinterpret what it is we collect in marketing and show for someone in another organization or find a way to get everyone aligned on the right terminology and the right set of data to use. Uh, and the flip side of that, honestly, is inside marketing, I don't think we look at other data often enough. I think oftentimes we're so focused on marketing data that we mm -hmm. don't actually pay as much attention to sales data or to revenue data or to other types of data in the business, which also are strong signals 
for what's happening. And that's that's what we want to get to. Let's let's ignore whose data it is and how much data we have and say, can we find data that's going to help us improve the business? And if we can't, if we're not driving towards that, then we have to question what we're doing. So, you know, of course, AI is on everyone's lips these days. It's dominating boardrooms and marketing teams. <laughs> uh, with this subject, though, because everyone's saying, look, to get AI right, you've got to nail your data, first of all. But how can also AI be used not just to clean the data and get the data right, but but these other things that, that we're talking about here, that the holistic marketer, how can AI help connect the marketer to these other points? Yeah, and I think, you know, we, can, we can't, nobody can have a discussion without AI having part of that discussion right now. And in, in fact, I just listened to a presentation earlier this week where it had nothing to do with AI, but the speaker just said right at the beginning, generative AI, there, yeah, we've said it, it's now part of the presentation because that's that's how it's working in every discussion. Or add GPT to the end of it and we're done, right? Or that's get, right, boom, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all ready. Uh, you know, I think that one of the things that I, I've been experimenting with, and I, I think there's some interesting opportunities around is the strength of chat GPT, if used correctly, or any gen AI, is the fact that it can find insights, or at least threads, if you will, across a large quantity of information. And there's probably some interesting opportunities in using it to create summaries that look across departmental types of information and can find patterns that may not be obvious to the human eye, and that can help produce better insights. You can look across, uh, let's say, hundreds and if not thousands of customer comments and be able to extract something interesting from it. You can look across all the different types of signals you get from your website and start to see things that were non-obvious. So I think there's gonna be a big explosion in helping us actually wrestle with the quantity of data that we've started to gather. And, and frankly, back to the original point, over the past decade, the volume of data that we gather in marketing, the number of signals that we're capturing has grown by several orders of magnitude. And it does become a little overwhelming. Well, guess what? Uh, Gen AI and other tools like that can help us in getting through all of that information and finding some interesting signals in there. Because the, the fact of the matter is, once upon a time, we generated a little lot of data and it was all signal for the most part. Now we generate so much data that it's a lot of noise and we're hunting for the signal again. Good, good points. So, of course, you're, you're in the world of cybersecurity and that's a lot of what you, what you guys do. With AI now, there's even more heightened concerns, uh, mm -hmm. especially with shadow AI and, and other types of applications. What's some of your advice to your fellow marketers out there and how they can approach this? Yeah, and, and thanks for bringing up the, uh, the the importance of cybersecurity. I am in the cybersecurity business, but I've also for a long time uh, really, really focused on the fact that marketers need to be aware of security as a key element of how they think about the business. Right? We can't be blind to the fact that uh, security is at the heart of everything we do. And frankly, as marketers, trust and privacy are key. We, we're trained typically in privacy, uh, but we're not always trained in thinking about security holistically. And one of the things we're going to continue to see is, A, bad actors are going to use AI 
uh, as a way to try to penetrate organizations. And people who are not aware of how that can happen definitely need to pay attention. B, within marketing, it's really easy for everyone to jump on and start using all sorts of AI tools. Hey, let's do this. Let's do that without giving a second thought to the security implications, the potential security leaks to your organization. So what I'm recommending to marketers is that every company of any size should have a centralized approach to how it is going to use and test AI tools. You should absolutely be looking at and using and testing those tools, but if you don't have a centralized perspective on this, and that should include your legal and or compliance team, you're potentially putting your business at risk when people are going and sharing information with AIs without an understanding of what will happen to that information. And oftentimes what we do in marketing is we're, hey, we're going to launch a new product next month. We're going to write some copy for it or we're going to create some email for it. Uh, well, if you're just trusting it to systems that you don't actually trust, you're putting yourself at risk. If you're logging into systems that you don't actually know what the login protocols protocols are, you're potentially opening your organization to malicious attacks. So thoughtful, methodical approach. One of the things I did was I had someone on my team do a survey of all of the marketing AI tools that are out there and put together a point of view. And then we combine that up with a centralized corporate-wide action to look at all the ways in which we can use AI tools and then make sure that we have a clear sign off on when we're going to actually use something. So, I, you know, it's interesting that you talk about the role of the CMO of cybersecurity, because I think, you know, today's CMOs, they'll certainly see themselves as change agents and as innovators. Mm -hmm. and they want to have a seat at the table. I'm not sure many would even think about having a seat at the table in terms of cybersecurity and, and being a key player. Uh, they would often think that that's IT's department. So how do you how do you champion that? Yeah, it's it's interesting from my perspective, having been in the cybersecurity business for a while, and 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 it's probably true of many of my peers in the business. Uh, we see the the large breadth of the threats and the what we call the attack surface in cybersecurity, and uh, I think marketers have underestimated the value that they bring to the dialogue. I think in any business, first of all, unfortunately, marketing is often only brought in after there's some sort of security incident to PR have crisis. to deal with it. PR crisis, <laughs> right. deal with it, right? Have to have to deal with it after the fact, and and you should be obviously one point there, but that means you have to backtrack and actually be part of the planning. And you have to have an understanding of what's going on if you want to be the best crisis communicator after the fact. Like if a marketer walks into a room and someone says, oh, you know, we've detected an intrusion and the marketer says, we've been hacked. Well, like, hold on. Hacked is a very specific term. Let's not use that term. Right? If you don't understand the terminology before you ever get into that crisis room, you're not going to be able to add the maximum value. And so I think it's important that marketers, senior marketers, be part of an understanding of the planning of the security process. If there are things such as tabletop exercises that go on inside a business, that the marketer be part of that. And that the marketer also think about the fact that they're often the largest if, again, attack surface or the largest number of communications out to the world. They often on the website, they send email. So they're, they're a pretty big target for 
threat actors. And marketers need to think about themselves as not simply just pushing information out into the world, but also thinking about what they're pushing out and how they're pushing it out and how that could be used. Right? Marketers who want to say, hey, let's get a detailed biography of all of our executives on the website. Well, that's awesome information if you're a threat actor who wants to do use social engineering and build an impersonation attack against a company. So we, we have to understand our role and take ownership of the fact that we can bring value to the dialogue around security. And it's, and it's critical right now. So I guess for, for young marketing professionals that dream of being a CMO, it's it's a big job, yeah. It's adding more dimensions all the time. Uh, what advice would you give to a younger marketing professional? What what skills should they be working on? How do they develop so they can get to the point in the career where you are? At least once a month or every other month, I read an article about the changing role of the CMO. And it seems like it's forever changing to me. And when I think about it through that lens, I think about the advice that I would give to anyone who wants to ultimately end up in this role. Uh, I, I, I stress being broad. And it doesn't mean that there aren't certain things you should go deep on. Absolutely. But the, the best CMOs that I have worked with and that I know are those who can look broadly and strategically at the business and understand enough about whatever discipline or domain they're in to be able to say, okay, this is connected to this, right? We're, we're looking for patterns. We're good at pattern recognition. So I recommend marketers get your hands dirty in a few different areas of marketing, whatever they may be. It can be demand creation. It can be product marketing. It can be communications. Understand a few areas and, and master one or two of them so that you truly can say, you know what, I can do this really, really well. And then be able to move up and say, I also understand what's going on in those other areas well enough. And this is where I think that you distinguish like truly senior leaders. I understand it well enough to know how to go hire the smartest person I can to run that team or to operate in that team. So you become really good at recognizing when someone is truly an expert in product marketing or comms or creative or any part sub-discipline of marketing. And what I have found over time is I spend more and more time making sure I have the strongest team in place and trusting that team. I also think that, and we can't ignore this, you do have to understand the data. You have to understand the technology that we use. No marketer in any business today cannot understand the MarTech stack. Jeff, that's something you know super well. Right? It, it's critical to understand how to use the technology. You have to understand how our sales colleagues operate. I'm not suggesting you go be a seller, but you better know what they have to do if you want to be able to help generate revenue that's for the business. Help for sure. Yeah. Right, right. So on a scale one to 10, with zero being completely safe, 10 being bold, where should everyone focus their efforts? Yeah, boy, that's that's a big scale, isn't it? And you know, I think that as you look at where the market overall is right now, and you know, the macroeconomic forces, social forces, you know, challenges for how you go to market for types of products that are out there, this is a time to be bold. This is a time to be cranking it up to a seven to start your day and seeing how you can get to eight or nine as you go forward each day because it's bold that's going to win. And I, I feel that we're all overrun with marketing. We're all overrun with content and information and everyone is a content producer. 
How do you actually make sure that you can be distinctive in that market? And a, a lot of a lot of my colleagues always focus on uh, the the difference between being distinctive versus simply being differentiated. And I believe that truly. To be distinctive means you do have to be bold. But let me caveat that with one thing, Jeff. You can be bold and still be appropriate to the space that you're in. And that's something that often confuses, I think, some marketers, particularly who are on the uh, the growth path where they, they think about being bold, just want to be like this, and they pick on maybe some you know consumer brand, but they're in a, a very you know traditional B2B space. It doesn't mean you can't be bold in the B2B space. You should, but you should be thoughtful to who your audience is, to what it is you're selling. I know I'm in the cybersecurity business. We have to, we try to be bold. We want to be even bolder. But the fact is we sell products that are built on people having to trust us as a company. I can't do anything to erode that trust or my customers won't buy from me anymore. And, and that's a unique type of trust, which is different than the trust. And if I were selling uh, canned water, let's, let's you know, talk about the great things that Liquid Death does, you know, taking canned water to market. Brilliant. But it's not cybersecurity. And so I have to think about how can I be bold within the context of my audience and my buyers? And I think that's important advice for every marketer. Be bold, but do it in context. Love it. So Norman, thank you so much for being on the program. Easy to see why you've been so successful. Um, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. And thank you.